Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Brent Jones. Enjoy. God was speaking to me uh, this week for you, and just to let you know that, and I want to just prompt some faith in your heart that God has a word of faith for you today. He has a word of faith for you um, that you might need to write down, you might need to put in a journal, you might need to, uh, I don't know how you keep track of things that God speaks to you, but God has a word of faith for you today that he wants to plant in your heart to bear fruit later. He has a word today to plant in your heart that he wants to bear fruit in your life later. It might be this week that he wants it to bear fruit. It might be in a month. It might be in a year. It might be in 10 years. But he has a word of faith to plant deep in your heart. And so what I want us to do as we pray this morning, we're just going to pray really quickly and open our hearts up to to the word of God. I want you to open your heart up to the word. And I want you to prepare yourself to hear from God today. Not from me. I could, you know, say a lot of different things. But God has a word for you today directly from the Bible that he wants to plant right in your heart today. And so let's just open up our hearts to him. Jesus, we open up our hearts to hear from you and only you today, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and move in this place. Come and stir in this place, God. Come and have your way, God. Speak to our hearts. Would you just say, Lord, speak to me? I'm listening. Speak to me, God. I'm listening today. Would you speak to my heart today, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we kicked off this series with just an incredible message from Pastor Trevor on the life of Abraham and on a specific event in the life of Abraham where he responds to the Lord by saying, here am I. This whole series is about specific people and their response to God when God speaks to them, when God meets with them, and they say to God, here am I. Here am I. It's about presenting ourselves to the Lord. He explained to us what that was like. Uh, He said that it's it's in the Hebrew, the word for this phrase, here am I, is hinene. And it's this complete presentation of ourselves to God and saying, yeah, I'm here. I'm here with everything that I have for all that you need me to do. It's a complete surrendering. It's a complete submission to God. And so I want us to, as we talk about here am I today, remember that this is, a, this is an opportunity for us to present our hearts to God in complete submission to him. So, so Abraham is kind of, as Pastor Trevor explained, if Abraham's here am I story is at the deep end of the pool, I don't know if you remember, but it was later in his life, and he, was, he had walked with God for quite some time, and God asked him for something very serious. God asked him for the life of his one and only son. His response to God in that time, if his response to God in his situation was at the deep end of the pool, today we're kind of, you know, we're, at, we're, we're more at the beginning. We're talking about Moses, and we're at the beginning of Moses' journey with God. If Abraham's was at the deep end of the pool, this is definitely more shallow end of the pool, not not because of the topic, but just because of the depth and the moment at the beginning of his life with God, because he's actually 80 in this story. He's 80. Think about that for a minute. His response to God, Moses' response of here am I to God, begins when he's 80 years old. And even at the age of 80, This is the first time that we know of God actually communicating with him. So we're talking about Moses today. Talking about Moses today. Moses is a story that's uh, dear to my heart because I actually have a son named Moses. Handsome. (laughs) Strong. Brave. Courageous. Full of the Holy Spirit. Man of action. My son Moses. He sat behind the cameras today so they can't cut to him. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he sat by me. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to talk just a little. He gave me permission to talk just a little bit about his story a little bit later. But uh, the story of Moses is near and dear to our hearts because we began a journey of adopting our son Moses that took over two years. 
I actually spent a, lo- a month alone with Moses in the Congo, where he's from. And it's a story of God's faithfulness to our family. It's a story of God's faithfulness to Kate and I and to our, the rest of our home. But we're going to talk about the Bible, Moses, for a few minutes first. So Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 10. You can go ahead and put that up there. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 10 says this about Moses, the Moses of the Bible. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Just leave that up there for a minute. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Wow, that's a statement right there. There has not been another prophet. There has not been anybody like Moses. Okay, let's look at our text today in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock. So we're going to read this, and then we're going to do a little bit of backstory. So just, just brace yourself. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Verse 2, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burned with fire. The bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. That was the great sight. He said, I'm going to turn aside and see the great sight, why the bush is not burning. He saw the fire. He saw the fire, and he said, I'm going to turn and look and see why why this bush is not being consumed by fire, why it's not burning up. Verse 4, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. We've talked about this before. When did God call to Moses? Did God just yell into the desert and get Moses up to the bush? No. When did God call out to Moses? When he turned to look. When he turned to look. God has his attention there. And when God had his attention, he called out his name. He called out his name. Out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he, Moses, said, here am I. Here am I. That's our text for today. Here am I. So out of this particular here am I, this hinene statement, God responds to Moses and begins to instruct Moses. He says, hey, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. Remember, this is his first encounter. He doesn't know God. So God introduces himself. God introduces himself. And I know I have it in my head a lot like, you know, the, 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 the movie, The Ten Commandments, because, you know, everybody here grew up with that, right? The Ten Commandments. I have it in my head. It looks like that. And honestly, I think that was pretty accurate. I think it was pretty striking. I think it was pretty powerful. I, I think it was pretty miraculous what was going on. God was introducing himself to this guy at 80 years old, and he believes God in this moment. God goes on to explain who he is. He says, I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that he has a plan to save his people, wait, through Moses. This is the first Moses has heard of this. That's news to me. God had to be convincing. This was the time. This was his here am I moment. God was going to be convincing. God was going to get a hold of Moses, and he does so in this encounter. He says, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm the God of your fathers, and I've come to tell you that I'm going to deliver. I've heard my children's cry in Egypt. I've heard their cry under slavery, and I'm going to rescue them. Oh, and wait, I'm going to do it through you. So this is the moment, not just where Moses meets with God, this is also the moment where Moses is called by God. 
You know, there's getting to know God, there's finding out more about God, and then there's being called by God to do something. This is the moment where God calls Moses to do something. The moment where he first experiences the one true God, the God of his forefathers, the God of creation, and this is where God chooses to share his name with humanity. See, up till now, we don't have a name for God. He's, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We don't have a name. This is the moment where he reveals his name to mankind, and he says, I am. I am. Moses says, who should I say has sent me? And he says, just say, I am has sent you. It's enough. It's the defining moment of Moses' life and the history of the Hebrew people all in one fiery plant. It's all happening. But why here? Why now? The children of Israel have been enslaved and in bondage for, you know, hundreds of years at this point. Why is now God saying, this is the time? This is the generation. Why this generation? Well, let's look at the chapter before and get just a little bit of backstory. In Exodus chapter 2, it says, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant, so they're in Egypt. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, a beautiful child, the Bible says, good, she hid him for three months. Why did she hide him for three months? Because Egypt, their, Pharaoh had, had commissioned uh, the army to go through Goshen and kill all of the newborn children in Goshen. All children born to Israelites, he said, kill them all. Why? They were growing. They were becoming a force to be reckoned with, and he didn't want to deal with it. So he said, go kill all the babies. So she's hiding him for three months. But when she could not hide him any longer, she got a papyrus basket for him. She coated it with tar and with pitch. She's extremely resourceful. She placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Now, listen, this is all it says. She put him, look at that. So it says she put him in this basket, and she put it in the reeds along the bank of the Nile. I don't know if you've seen it in the movies, but they kind of show this like raft of a basket, like, you know, through the rushing rivers of the Nile down, and suddenly it ends up, oh, and it's right in front of the king's palace, and oh, the... that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says she kept it safe. She puts him in the reeds along the Nile River, just at the edge of the river. Well, she puts it in a very convenient location because do you know who comes out to take a bath pretty quickly? Pharaoh's daughter comes out to bathe in the river. And the Bible says that his sister, Miriam, Moses' sister, is standing in a distance just to see what happens to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter, verse 5, Then Pharaoh's daughter went to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. Verse 6, She opened it and saw the baby, and he was crying. And she felt sorry for him, and she knew this is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Verse 7, Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl, which is Miriam, got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses. This is the first we hear his name. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. I drew him out of the water. That's his name. I drew him out. Prophetically. She names him prophetically. I drew him out. God's saying, no, I named him. I drew him out. I drew them out. God's about to use this prophetic name over this little baby to do something incredible. So 40 years go by. This is all in one chapter, you guys. Exodus chapter 2. 40 years go by. And let's skip down to verse 23. You know, I feel like I, I, I kind of have this theory that since Moses actually wrote, wrote the first five books of the Bible, he kind of summed up his whole story in one chapter on purpose. The Bible says he was the meekest man that ever lived. He didn't want to brag. I think the Holy Spirit was like, no, you have to say that. He's like, oh, that's too long. No, say this too. 
No, I don't want to. Oh, yeah, you got to say that, too. You got to put that in there. He didn't want to talk about himself. He sums it all up in one chapter. During that long period of 40 years, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. Verse 24, God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, look at this, and God knew. God knew. This phrase bridges these two chapters, Exodus Exodus chapter 2 and Exodus chapter 3, the chapter that describes Moses' life, his early life, and, and the Israelite slavery, and the chapter where Moses gets his call and goes to deliver God's people. This, these two chapters are bridged by this little phrase, this little two-word phrase. And what is it? God knew. God knew. God knew what? What did God know? He knew his people. He knew what his people were going through. And he knew Moses' heart. And he knew he was going to rescue them. And he knew just how he was going to do it. God knew. What a comfort. I want to say this morning that God knows. Somebody in here today needs to hear this, and I'm telling you this prophetically today. God knows. You might be in between chapters. I don't know what the situation is going on in your life right now, but listen, God knows. Whatever situation you are in, God knows. He knows what got you there. He knows what's keeping you there. He knows what it will take to get you out of there. And he's preparing a rescue for you. God knows. God knows where you are. God knows what's happening. God knows what's going on. He is not, as we like to say in our family, God is not out having coffee while you're in the situation that you're in. God knows. It's been 400 years. God knows. We've been in slavery for, God knows. God knows. When we are in a trial, when we are in a situation we can't seem to see out of or get out of, we should begin with the understanding that God knows. Why? If we begin with the understanding that God knows about our situation, then we can respond with what we know to be true about God. See? Because what we know to be true about God is God cannot fail. He does not lie. He loves us. He cares about us. He's the healer. He's our provider. He never fails. And he's always faithful. And we can apply those things to God when we understand that he knows. He knows where you're at. He knows what got you there. Well, if you knew the situation I was in, I made some pretty bad. He doesn't care. So God takes this man who was born to slaves and should have been killed at birth. And he draws him up out of the river into the finest education on the planet at the time. He takes him out of the weeds and into the courts of Pharaoh, into the most powerful nation on the planet at the time, and gives him the finest education available at the time. Reading, writing, arithmetic, military instruction, leadership, all of it. There are things that the Egyptians have done that we still don't understand how they did it today. Moses got that education. You with me? He got that education. God took him out of the river and God educated him. Acts Acts 7 says this. Acts 7 verse 22 says, And Moses was instructed in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and deeds. Do you see that? Moses was instructed in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. Josephus writes about Moses that Moses had been selected by Pharaoh, actually, and he was made a general when the Ethiopians uh, invaded Egypt. uh, Ethiopia invades Egypt and robs from them, takes land, takes stuff, takes people with them. And they, Pharaoh, actually, Josephus writes, sends Joseph, 
against the armies of Ethiopia, and Joseph conquers them as the general of Egypt. This is Moses. And yet, Moses is described as the meekest man that ever lived. Meekness. It's a word we don't use often. Meek. He was meek. The Bible says of him, he was the meekest man that ever lived. Meekness. Meekness means submissive. Listen, submissive, compliant. These aren't words we like. Submissive and compliant. Means gentle and kind as well. But he was submissive, he was compliant, he was gentle, he was kind. How? How does this prince, this general, this rising star in the world's greatest superpower go from that to submissive and compliant? How? Because 40 years go by, 40 more years You see, when Moses comes to the burning bush, this slave-turned-general-turned-prince is now just a simple shepherd in a nomadic society. He's married a shepherd wife. He lives with his shepherd family, and he is shepherding sheep out in the dirt. You see, he attempted to save one of the Hebrew slaves, and he actually ended up murdering one of the Egyptian guards. And when he murdered that guard, Josephus actually writes that the court of Egypt actually had a lot of ideas about Moses, and they thought this might happen. They, the courts of Egypt, uh, Josephus writes that they were talking about Moses like he's going to turn on us. He's not one of us. He's going to turn on us. So he kills this Egyptian guard, and suddenly there's a price on his head, so he flees. He runs away. From everything he knew, his country, his position, even he runs away from the people he's called to save. See, he didn't just leave like, oh, I got to get out. My life's in danger. He also left the people he's supposed to be rescuing. And he's hiding in a new life, a marriage, a family, a profession. He's changed everything. He's around 80 years old, and the arc of his story seems to be coming to a close. The arc of his life is like, oh, probably done. We could probably stop writing about him now. Seems like it's about over. And then God sends an angel to light a bush on fire. Sometimes in the middle of running from our calling and our purpose, God gets our attention. Sometimes when you're in the middle of running away from what you're supposed to do, God grabs you by the back of the neck and says, "Mm mm-mm. Hey. You're like, oh, God didn't grab it. God didn't do anything. Oh, he lit a bush on fire in the middle of the desert. You bet he was getting his attention. Has God ever gotten your attention before? Well, maybe he is today. You see, we can be decades into hiding when God calls our name. We can be decades down the road walking away from God and God will call our name. Oh, that's only for the young. Watch yourself. Well, I don't know. God only calls people from an early age. What? 80 years old. See, we can be also in that we could be in the middle of total deconstruction of our faith when the I am makes himself known to us and forever alters the direction of our existence. God's not scared of your lack of faith. God's not scared of your running. God's not scared of your deconstruction in the books you're reading right now. He'll get a hold of your life. He'll get a hold of your life. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God has people around you that you're called to save, to rescue, to pray for, to reach out to, to share the gospel with. God has a plan for you. And he's lighting a bush on fire to call out your name and get your attention today. The winding road God took Moses through over 80 years prepared him to be the instrument of deliverance in God's hand for his people in 
Listen, his timing. His timing. Someone said once that when God gets a hold of you, this is his plan, to take you out of the world, take the world out of you, and send you back into the world. When God gets a hold of you, that's his plan. Take the world out of you, take you out of the world, take the world out of you, and send you right back into the world for his plan and his purpose. God takes Moses through all of this, through 40 years of Egypt, uh, his education, uh, his royalty, his, his leadership, everything that he learned, and then 40 more years in the desert after he ran, and then he meets with him to call him so that he would know, like it says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, it's not by your might, it's not by your power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He spent the first 40 years growing in a worldly education. He spent the next 40 years getting that education cleaned out of him as an empty vessel, and then he was lit on fire with the purpose of God and sent back in to rescue a nation. This is Moses we're talking about today. Moses lived 120 years. He gave us the law, wrote the first five books of the Bible, led the children of Israel out of Egypt, performed more signs and wonders and miracles than we can count, spoke face-to-face with God, and is the key figure in more than three major world religions. Moses. But God's plan was not to make Moses the greatest prophet that ever lived. That was not God's plan. God's plan was to save his people And he took the here I am of one man over and over and over to do just that. His here I am was walked out over the next 40 years saying yes to God again. See, he's 40 years in Egypt. He's 40 years in the desert. And then he's another 40 years saying yes to God, saying here I am to God over and over and over again to deliver God's people from slavery and bondage into the promised land through his one simple here I am over and over As we learned last week, here I am begins as a posture of our hearts and is completed in the corresponding actions of our lives. He wasn't perfect. He made a lot of mistakes. He made mistakes that killed a lot of people. He was not perfect. But Moses spent the last 40 years of his life, to quote Eugene Peterson, in a long obedience in the same direction. saying yes again and again and again. God said, hey, go here. And he said, okay. Sometimes he's actually said no to God, but only when God was like, hey, I'm about to kill everybody, get out. And he was like, no, 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 don't do that. His here I am was not just saying yes once, not just saying here I am once, but time after time after time You see, here I am is a lifestyle. Actually, here I am is a life. Here I am is not just like, oh, it's how I live my life. Here I am is a life. It's a life. A life of presenting ourselves to God. It's not simply saying yes. It's saying my whole life is committed to you and your purposes and your plans. It's not always dramatic like our story about Abraham last Sunday where God asks him for his son and then says, hey, Abraham, here I am. Stop, don't kill your son. It's not always that dramatic. It's not always that black and white. It's every morning when you wake up. It's today when we take communion. It's surrendering to him over and over. It's the obedience of walking with God and doing what he asks, following his word and his way. Moses's here am I not only changed his life, it changed the life of, of an entire nation in that time and obviously us, right? You know, 
Sometimes when God's trying to get your attention, he's trying to get your attention, not just for you. And we're going to get ready to take communion here, but um, in just a minute, but I just want to just really quickly just, I I told you I was going to tell you a little bit about our Moses story. So Kate and I uh, started the process of adopting our son. And over the process of two years of paperwork and legal work and uh, all of the things that go on, we, uh, we knew at the very beginning when we prayed about our son and who he would be, we did not know, but we felt that we were supposed to name him Moses. We just knew. Both Kate and I knew. We are supposed to name our son Moses. So imagine our, our total just shock and surprise when we got, one, we got a file from the adoption agency for a little boy named, in French, Moise. He was named Moses. And we just, we were like, oh my gosh. God, you know what you're doing. We prayed about that file, and over the process of two weeks, Kate and I came together, and we knew that that little Moise was not our son. And we just thought, this is so weird. Like, we don't even, how does it, like, we prayed about it. We knew we were supposed to name our son Moses, and we got this file, and here's this little boy named Moses. He's got to be ours, right? And Kate and I just looked at each other, and this little boy in this file, and we just knew, this is not our son. So we called the adoption agency and said, sorry, we, we need you to send us another little boy. And so they, they did. But as we prayed about it, we just, we, we knew we got, we got uh, the file for our, our son, Moses, and, um, and his name in, our, in the file was Blessing. And so that's still his, his name. Um, and so his name's Moses Blessing. And so uh, he told me I could share this, by the way. So... So we get this, we begin to pray for Moses' blessing. A year and a half we pray for Moses' blessing. And we're here and he's there in the Congo. And we can't go get him. And, it's all, and one day we get a call and the adoption agency says, uh, could you come and get Moses? Could you come and get blessing? And can you come right now? And we had, we had um, four little girls at home. And we said, okay, we can come right now. Of course, he's our son. We'll, we'll be right there. She said, um, actually, uh, um, can, can I meet you in Chicago first? I said, sure. So she meets me in Chicago. We meet at the airport, and she says, I'm going to fly over with you and, and pick him up. I said, okay. But she says, uh, first, you're a pastor, right? I always tell you, no good conversation ever starts with that phrase. <laughs> You're a pastor, right? I said, yeah, why? She said, well, actually, we have a situation. One of our children is extremely sick, and they are actually um, going to die. They have malaria. They have hydrocephalus. They, are, um, they have heart failure. Um, they are dying. But actually, their American family has already adopted them, and that American couple is coming over to be with them as they die, and we would like you to be there. I said, Okay. That was the trade, right? You get to come get your son. You get to walk this family through grief. I said, okay. So we get on the flight, which is about 14 hours, head over to the Congo. I'm praying, I'm thinking, I'm praying and thinking. We land in Kinshasa, which is a city that I love. And we land along the Congo River there, and it's, it's, a, it's really a city. You got to see it. And um, we land there, and immediately she says, you know, we don't have time to get your son. We actually have to go to the hospital right now. I said, Okay. So we had flown all night. We get in the car. We drive to the hospital, which is way up in the jungle. It's just a little cement building with a red cross painted on the side, and nobody's at the front desk. Actually, nobody's in the room with this little boy. And I said, can I go in? She said, sure. I go in, and, and I sit down on his bed, and I look, and there in that bed is little Moise. And she said, actually, because of a lot of laws, we actually couldn't tell you who this was. She said, because of the Hague Convention, because all of these, she said, I couldn't tell you who this was. And she said, I'm really sorry. She said, I'm actually not even allowed to talk to you about him. I just brought you here because you know God. So I said, well, can I pray for him? Can I lay hands on him? And she said, if you want to. And he was covered with disease. And I put my hands on his head, and he was completely unconscious. 
And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed and live. And I spoke to the sickness and the disease and the pain in his body and commanded it to go. And I wrapped my arms around him and prayed over him. And we left. She said, we actually have to go get his parents. They're coming in at the airport. So his parents land. His parents pay a lot to move him to to an actual hospital. But by the time they get there, his symptoms have begun to change. And they've begun to turn around. By the time they get him to the hospital, he is making a recovery. And it's slow. And it's hour by hour, day by day. Three days later, after I prayed for him, he opened his eyes. And his dad was holding him. And he looked and he said, Papa. Within the next week, he was eating and drinking. Within three weeks, little Moise was completely healed and ready to get on an airplane to come home to America. Yeah. Now listen, in the meantime, I'd gotten to meet that family and get to know that family, and do you know they're actually from Idaho? You guys, God, you, you can't make this stuff up. God knows what he's doing. In the meantime, that same day, I got to go and bring home my little Moise, Moses. His gotcha day was actually November 19th. We celebrated that just this last week. I was there for another month with Moses while we sorted out our visa, and they took my passport and did all the things that they do, and we actually were stuck there. We actually couldn't leave. We were there. I had to let go of my flights. I had to let go of my visas. I had to let go of everything. I had no, we actually had no money left, actually. And we were completely out of options. And do you know what happened? One day I got a call, and it was from Moise's dad, and he had appeared in Kinshasa. He had appeared before the Council on Adoption. And while he was in there, they were trying to get Moise medevaced out to Europe so he could at least get some, some better care because he was in recovery and he was doing well. They were trying to get their son more care, so they had applied for a medevac out. And he's meeting with the, with the minister over adoption and immigration of the, of the nation of the Congo. And as he's meeting there, the, the minister pulls out his file, and he stamps his file, and he actually said, wait, sir. And he looked down on the desk of this minister, and he saw Joan's family. Me. And he said, we're not leaving without them. So he said, OK. <laughs> We'd been there four weeks saying, hey, we got to go. <laughs> he says, OK. And he opens our file, stamps our file. He, this guy calls me, and he said, we got to go right now. We have a plane right now. We got to go. We got on the plane, and we flew out. God performed a miracle. Listen, God, this is not because Kate and I are amazing. We were struggling. <laughs> We didn't feel like we had that kind of faith. We were just saying yes over and over to God. We didn't feel like we were like, oh, we're going to do this huge thing, and God's going to do this huge stuff. We just kept saying yes. We just kept saying yes. Sometimes your yes can rescue a bunch of other people. Sometimes your willingness to say yes to God, to say, here I am, God. Here we are, God. We just want to do what you want, God. Sometimes your yes will lead to the deliverance of a whole other family. I saw a picture of Moise recently. He's about this tall. He's healthy. He's strong. And I'm so thankful that our Moses came into our life. I thank God every day for our Moses. God has a Moses story for you. And today, can we, just, can we stand together? Do we have communion? Are we? OK, no communion. OK, all right. <laughs> That's OK. If you're at home taking communion, go ahead. <laughs> They're ready at home. They're like, hey, we got it. I don't know. 
Okay. I just looked and saw that none of you had little cups, and I was like, hmm, wonder if we have it. That was probably my job. I probably missed something. God's trying to get your attention today. I don't know if you know that. I think maybe he has it. Like Moses, wherever you've been, no matter how far you've run, God knows. And God is still planning to use you for his plan and his glory. You might not feel like it. It might not feel like what God's got going on in your life right now is for his plan and his glory and it's going to accomplish anything for him, but I want you to know that it's going to. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You're like, oh, I'm just ordinary. Yep. God has an extraordinary plan over your life to reach somebody with his goodness, to reach somebody with his rescue plan for his glory. Also, know that sometimes your willingness and your submitted response to God, your here am I, is a setup to save and rescue more than just you. Your here am I is a setup that's going to rescue not just you, but the hearts and lives of the people around you. God has a rescue plan. Don't disqualify yourself because you're like, oh, I don't know, I've made this mistake, I've made that mistake, I got this thing, I got that. Don't disqualify yourself. Oh, I got, you know, I got divorced and then I, my, you know, this happened, then I went to jail and then this and then I did drugs. Don't disqualify yourself. Moses stood before God with his shoes off that day before the burning bush and said, hey, don't send me, I can't even speak. And God said, who made the human mouth? Oh, I made mistakes. Join the club. I just don't know if God can use me. God knows. God knows. Don't disqualify yourself. You're here today, and God is getting your attention today. You might not even know Jesus, and I'm here today to tell you he knows you, and he's here today to say, hey, I'm here. The Bible says Jesus stands before you. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door and lets me in, I'll come in and I'll fellowship with him. So, so today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to pray for you right now. Is there anybody in here today who would say, I want to receive Jesus Christ for the first time? You, haven't, you don't know Jesus, you'd say, hey, I want to receive Jesus for the first time. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand. That's you. Okay. And then maybe you're in this other group where God is trying to get your attention. God's trying to get your attention. We have communion being handed out to you right now, so just... Stay with me for a second. Don't get distracted. If God's trying to get your attention today, as we take communion, this is the day to say, here am I, okay? That's our response. If you're like, hey, I, God is calling my name. I, maybe I've run. Maybe I've disqualified myself. Maybe I've made mistakes. God is standing before you today saying, calling out your name. And as we take communion together, we're going to say, here am I, Lord. Here am I. I'm here for your plan. But then, listen, as we take communion today, there's one other person in here. There's a bunch of us today where you're, I want to ask you, is God planning your rescue? You're in a situation right now that you just are helpless and you don't know what to do. And what I want to ask is, is God planning your rescue? Like the children of Israel in Exodus chapter two, is God planning your rescue? If your answer is, I hope so, the answer is yes. When I asked that just now, you thought, I hope so. I said, is God planning your rescue? And in your heart, you said, I hope so. And I want you to know that the answer is yes. God today is planning your rescue. Right now. 
He's planning your rescue. Whatever situation you find yourself in today, no matter how desperate, no matter how dire the situation is right now, he's here to get your attention today and he's here to let you know he's planning your rescue because he knows. How do we know? Because when Moses was sent to be God's rescuer of the children of Israel, God told him to tell his people what? He said, to tell them he's sent by the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And his name is the I Am, which carries this idea that I'll be all you need when you need it. The I Am. All you need. And when, when Moses said that to them, he said, I am has sent me. They believed him. Why? Because they had a history with God and they may not have known his name, but they sure knew that God had been faithful to their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so when he stood before them and said, God sent me to rescue you and I'm here to, and they said, who sent you? And he said, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when they said that, he said, they said, okay. Why? because they had a history with God. They could look over their family and see all of the times that God had shown him to be faithful to their fathers and they can trust him. Today you need to know you can trust God. You can trust him. You can trust him with your health. You can trust him with your marriage. You can trust him with your children. You can trust him with your finances. You can trust him with your housing situation. You can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him with your future. So is God trying to get your attention? And is God planning your rescue? Today, as we remember, this is the first Sunday of Advent, and as we, I love taking communion together, and as the first Sunday of Advent, can we just remember the rescue plan of God? The body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Today, as we take the, let's start with the bread, as we take this bread together, will you just give God, if that's you, and you just say, hey, I, I need to say that, God, you have my attention. If God is getting your attention today, as we take communion right now, as you receive the bread together, let's just say to God, you've got my attention. Here am I. Let's take the bread together. Here am I. Here am I. Jesus, we receive your sacrifice and we celebrate your sacrifice today your broken body for us. Jesus, thank you. And Jesus, today we say, here am I, I'm here. We're here just for you, Jesus. Let's take the cup together. receive the cup together. Go ahead. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your goodness to us, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done in our hearts and our lives today, Jesus. And now would you just present yourself before the Lord and say, here I am. Here's my life. Here's my family, here's my situation, here's my health, here's my finances, here's my kids, here's my marriage, here's my relationships, here's my job, here's my housing. Everything that I, Lord, everything that I have, my whole situation, God, I lay it all before your feet, my healer, my provider, my savior, my friend, and I lay it before you today, almighty God. And I say, here I am. Here am I, God, your servant. I'm listening. Thank you for knowing my situation. Thank you for knowing right where I'm at. And Lord Jesus, today I apply my knowledge of you, which is that you're faithful and you're good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
present yourself before the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. I'm done running. I'm done hiding. I'm done disqualifying myself. I may be stuck, I may be trapped, I may be in a situation that seems impossible, but I know that you know where I am and you're planning my rescue. You're planning my rescue. Lord, today I bless your people and I just ask, Lord, would you speak to each heart? Would you call each heart? Would you draw each heart closer to you, Holy Spirit, today? Would you draw its heart closer to you, I ask in Jesus' name. Lord, as we give you our complete yes, our here am I, Lord, would you just, we submit our hearts to you, God. Would you respond to every heart right now in Jesus' name with calling, with direction, with purpose, with next steps, with provision, for, with freedom, with everything that we need today, Jesus. Would you be, God, would you be the I am today. Everything we need right when we need it. The completeness of who you are today. Would you be that to every heart in life today, I ask. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Would you just, um, today, can we just stay in an atmosphere of prayer and seeking God? If you, you know, God's been doing miracles right here up at the front and all over this sanctuary every week as we pray for one another, as we minister to one another. So if you need prayer or ministry for any reason, maybe you need healing in your body or in your, or your mind or in your, like, in your situation. If you need prayer for any reason, will you just come up to the front today? We want to pray for you. Or maybe raise your hand right where you are. We want to pray with you today. And we're going to, there's a ministry team and pastors and, and people that, that just want to pray with you today that are here in the room today that are just going to come put a hand on your shoulder, ask what's going on, and seek God for you today. So if you need prayer for any reason, I want to invite you just to come on up to the front. We want to pray for you today. God bless you. Have an incredible rest of your day. We're so thankful that you're here joining us today. Uh, God bless you. Just let's go out together and make the invisible God visible in our community. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.